time for your heart-stopping news-packed 60 minutes of regular trolling. Webmaster Radio presents The Pulse. Pulse. Take your seat among the experts in the search engine marketing arena. This weekly radio show keeps you informed of the latest search news, offers insight on the biggest forum discussions, and puts your finger on the pulse of the search marketing community. Our hosts have made their way to the round table. The Pulse Pulse. starts now. Hello and welcome to the 28th edition of the Search Pulse. Today is Tuesday, May 1st. Um, my name is Barry Schwartz. I'm from the Search Engine Roundtable, and I'm also at Rusty Brick. Always, like always, with me is Ben Pfeiffer, the senior editor of the Search Engine Roundtable from RankSmart.com, and also Chris Boggs, the associate editor of the Search Engine Roundtable, who works in the SEO department as a search strategist at Avenue A Razorfish. Um, so I just Twittered that we're doing our show live right now, so hopefully people in the Twitter you know, realm would actually sign on and uh, check us out. We are, uh, you know, there is a chat room, so go to webmasterradio.fm and get in there, and you, know, you can participate in the show as we're going. Um, last week's show is archived. I posted it up. It's the Search Pulse 27. Do a search and you'll find it. Uh, we had some good topics over there, especially earnings and web history and all this other fun stuff. Um, Chris and Ben are on the line, and um, again, like I said, they are you know they're senior editors at the uh, Search and Roundtable. And if you have any questions about them, just you know go ahead and click on our authors section, and you'll be able to find out a lot about them. So, Chris, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Been really busy today. We got a Sempo board meeting this week, so I got a bunch of stuff getting ready for that, and just work has been slammed. But uh, other than that, I'm excited to sit back a little bit and chat some search with you guys. Great, and Ben, how you how you feeling? Uh, I've been better. <laughs> uh, I had my wisdom teeth removed, and, uh, and also another tooth, and it's been pretty hell. So I really wouldn't wish this on anybody. I've felt like uh, crap for the past five days. I I hope you're feeling better, and uh, I hear it's not fun at all. So uh, hopefully you have to go through this once, and that's about it, and move on. From yeah, there. hopefully just once. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. So, first topic I wanted to discuss was something that I found out last week while I was on the show with Danny, this uh, the Daily Searchcast, um, and that was that Webmaster World's PubCon in Vegas, which is taking place December, is going right up against Search Engine Strategy Chicago, taking place the same exact you know week. So, SES starts on December third and ends on December sixth. PubCon starts on December fourth and ends on December 7th. It happens the same exact week. One's in Chicago, one's in uh, Vegas. The thing is, there's lots of pros and cons for each. Um, I'll quickly go through some of them. With Webmaster World, the, the, the definitely they get the heads up for um, being in a warmer client. Nobody wants to be in Chicago, really, during the winter season and just bitter cold in Chicago and windy, and they went on that, in that front. Um, I mean, there's lots of other pros and cons, but the weather is a major thing. Um, outside of that, I mean, SES is a long-established conference. It's been going on forever. They have a huge um, following. And Webmaster World is still growing, but yet they still also has, have a huge following with you know, thousands of attendees as well. So it's really you know, head-to-head in terms of that. I did run a poll at the blog. thing is, I think people you know, went there and spammed it um, you know, a matter of like minutes um, both PubCon and SES both got hundreds, hundreds of votes, and it's really pretty much tied on the, on the poll side. So I don't know who's going to win here, but it looks like from the comments, at least from the community itself, most people are opting for PubCon in Vegas. But it's really hard to say because a lot of the SES attendees don't necessarily participate in the 
uh, search marketing community. So I wanted to, uh, you know, you know, Ben, uh, you know, I'll get your thoughts first about this and see what you, what you would do. Yeah, um, you know, I, I've been to Chicago a couple times. I know we both covered, you know, sessions and stuff there for, you know, quite a while. I didn't go to the Chicago last year just because, um, one, I didn't want to deal with the weather, and two, it's expensive, and three, there's not as many people there. So, um, personally, I kind of think that a lot, a bit more people are going to probably end up in Las Vegas. Um, a bit more to do. Chicago is a wonderful city. There is great stuff to do, but you know, having in the middle of December is kind of a burden. And um, but again, you know, as Barry pointed out, you know, SES is kind of more of a business-oriented type of conference, and so a lot of people end up going there and launching new products and stuff like that. So you know, I think it'll probably attract a different group of people. And, and at the same time, you know, maybe it's kind of a good thing that you know both of these conferences are at the same time because it appeals to kind of two different sets of people. Um, so it'll give an opportunity for you know various types of speakers and also opportunities for new speakers and such to to get into the mix and offer some new ideas. It's true. That's true. But there are some overlaps, and the overlap there are overlaps with the speakers. I mean, I would say at least fifty percent or more of Webmaster World's uh, speakers are also speakers at SES. So that is a major issue. In addition, there's overlap with some of the attendees. There's overlap with the exhibitors. And there's lots of overlap with the press and stuff like that. So the question, you know, is like, you know, Chris, you're a speaker. Um, I don't know if your company is an exhibitor, but you know, where do you see this happening you know, from that standpoint? Well, I actually just talked about this with my VP uh, because it was, uh, you know, something that we need to plan on, even though it's so far out. Um, I personally am hoping to attend SES from Monday to Wednesday and leave on Wednesday night and uh, attend the last two days of PubCon. Uh, hopefully, I'll have a chance to present at PubCon on Thursday. If not, so be it. I'll still get to be there for, you know, the the old school PubCon on Friday, which is something that I missed last year. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I may end up only doing PubCon. I, I really, but I, I kind of feel almost like I owe to SES that I should be there, especially if they want me to speak or moderate, uh, because I've been, you know, speaking uh, for Incisive Media much longer. So, um, uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting balancing situation, and I don't want to uh, alienate either Brett or, uh, you know, Brett from. Uh, from PubCon or uh, Stewart, I guess it's going to probably be in charge uh, for Incisive at SES. So, um, you know, I'm going to try to uh, play it diplomatically and, and hopefully get a chance to do both. And I think it could be pretty cool that way. Yeah, that would be cool to go to both. That would be a lot of flying in one week. Um, so you'll be flying from Philadelphia, right? Yeah, I'd fly to Philadelphia, Chicago, and then Chicago to Vegas Wednesday night. Uh, uh, probably Vegas back to Chicago early Saturday morning and back to Philly. You know how I'm going to make my decision? Um, how? Uh, on the number of uh, kosher restaurants? <laughs> no, actually, no. It's basically up to my wife, so wherever she wants to go. I think she might want uh, cool. to go away. So. And that might be the case. If that's the case, it probably will be Chicago. <laughs> um, yeah, I would imagine. We didn't have the best kosher restaurant experience in Vegas. <laughs> oh, not at all. But even in Chicago, there are not so many by the, you know, you have to, like, drive a half hour to get anywhere. So, But anyway, uh, enough about that. So hopefully you guys, you know, listening will have, it'll be a simple solution for you. You say, you know, I want to go to Vegas because I love Vegas, or I want to go to Chicago because, you know, you love SES's sessions or whatever it might be. Hopefully it's an easy decision, and hopefully we'll get some good coverage from both places. The bottom line is, us at the Surgeon Roundtable, we'll be covering both, and the number of sessions might not be as much, but we'll be covering you know, a lot of sessions from both of the conferences, and 
hopefully if you can't make it to either, or if you can make it only one, you'll get coverage on both sides. So that's what we'll try to do. Um, the next topic I wanted to discuss was I did a really long post, and it really ended up being nothing, but I thought it was something I wanted to discuss with you guys and see your thoughts on it. What I did was the past um, three months, since we had Google Webmaster Central, their link analysis tool came out about in, uh, I think in February. Let me just double check. Yeah, February. And since then, they actually started giving us link, linkage data. So we knew you know, which pages had no, what number of links, where those links came from, et cetera, et cetera. The thing is, I plotted those, those details, um, and I wrote a whole long post about how um, newer posts tend to have a number, you know, the most amount of links based on the Google and Master Central data. So if I write a post today, um, that will typically have more links in the most recent linkage report um, as opposed to a post that's from, you know, several months ago, even if that post was extremely popular. So, for example, let me give you one example. Um, in in the March, I wrote a post about um, our SES coverage in New York, how we're going to be doing coverage for the SES show in New York. Um, that got about 2,942 links, which is a lot of links. Um, what happened, oh, That's a bad example. <clears throat> but anyway, yeah, it got a lot of links. And, and it shows that, that, but that post was only around since you know, the end of March, and basically you know, it has more links than any other pages that have been the most popular pages in the past. So let me give you an example that re repeated over the past several months. So in February, I got a link count of a conversation. Actually, let me find a good example. I'm sorry, I should have been prepared. Um, da -da 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 -da. All right, I think I found one. Yeah. Google's sending out more uh, Google coolers. You know those Google coolers they were sending out? These little, like, fridges? Uh, that had about... 1,961 links um, in the March report, and then it dropped out to only having about 690 links in the April report. So it lost uh, quite a full, more than 50% of their links. Um, so I looked at this and I, I said, you know, why would, you know, articles lose links? And obviously, you know, links are lost. They go into the supplemental index. They go temporary offline. They get password protected. They get deleted, et cetera. Um, so I tried to figure out more information, but the problem was I didn't have enough timestamps about specific, you know, articles. So I wouldn't know, like, you know, Google found this link on this date or, you know, and found that link on that date and then look back and see if they lost that link on certain dates. It's, I don't have enough information to figure it out. So um, one thing is uh, I would love Google to actually start timestamping these, you know, when they actually found the links and give us more details in terms of that. But I think that's a lot to do, and I don't know if they actually provide that information. Um, but overall, I mean, I came out with nothing, but I did a lot of work, and I thought I'd share it with you. And I was wondering if, you know, Chris, you took a look at that post or not. Barry, unfortunately, I've been so slammed that this is actually the first that I'm taking a look at it. It looks like some very interesting research, but I don't have much to comment on yet. Uh, I mean, it does seem to be quite a disparity between March and uh, April for the inbound link numbers for the one particular cooler thing. So, um it, it, you know, the, the April linkage data, does that just show new links since March maybe, or is it just overall links and it somehow lost over, looks like over 1,200 links? Right. It's not just, I don't think it's just showing new links. No, it's showing old links as well. So, 
question is and that's, that just lost. doesn't you know doesn't doesn't ring right to me but it's it's very i mean it's something that we should definitely look further into because this could indicate um you know the value of some links and maybe finding identifying the ones that like you said the ones that were there in march versus the ones that are still there in april and maybe being able to bucket or classify those types of links as potentially being uh more uh aged or more age-worthy within Google is, is something that uh, I think you've got the beginnings of some really good research here. Yeah, so I'm hoping to cl- keep collecting data, figure out more information. Maybe I have five, six months. Maybe I'll get some more information to figure out what's going on, um, why this is happening. I have some theories, um, and we'll figure it out. But hopefully, hopefully in the next few months, we'll figure that out. Ben, what are your thoughts overall on this? Um, yeah, I looked at this a little bit more in detail. You know, when I first saw this article, I kind of considered just the position that Search Engine Roundtable is and in terms of how it attracts links. And I know we talked a little bit this SES with some friends in terms of, like, dig links and stuff like that and how really they just don't stay around whatsoever. And so it seems that, like, a lot of the links that you got were, you know, some of these were from, you know, kind of dig sources and stuff like that, and they rapidly disappear. Um at the same time. And and also I was thinking too in terms of this, it's like I don't see why it would make sense for Google to kinda of like phase out links when they kind of really want to know, you know, the full extent of you know the value of the page and what the links are coming from. Um and so, you know, it could get stuck in a supplemental index, but you know, as you stated in the article it's kinda of debatable whether, you know, what if those links count or not. Um I don't know, links just fall out over time. It's just kind of something that you see kind of have have common. Um and in terms of the stuff it Maybe the search and the spiders are just not getting to it, um, or it's getting replaced by something else. So I, I found it a really interesting article. I didn't have a ton of time to look over it, but uh, I thought it was really good. Cool. All right, right. So, yeah, I mean, bottom line is really we can't say anything of it, which is kind of upsetting. I was hoping to pull all this data together and say, all right, here's some pattern I've been seeing. Um, but honestly, I haven't really seen a pattern where I can actually say, you know, this is what I learned from it. Um, so hopefully in the next three, four months, we'll be able to figure that out. Um, Okay, so we're going to hit a commercial break now, and then we'll get into some uh, topics about PageRank and some other topics around that. So let's hit a commercial break now, and we'll come back to you guys soon. Sit tight and don't move. The Pulse. Pulse. We'll be back after this short break. Friend Finder. Friend Finder. The world's largest online dating network featuring over 100 million profiles at hot sites such as Passion.com and FastCupid.com represents enormous profit-making opportunities for webmasters just like you. With Friend Finder's ability to geo-target and provide billing solutions in most languages and currencies, you are sure to find our comprehensive network to be a good friend to your wallet. Wallet. Get more traffic-maximizing details now at FriendFinder.com. Want traffic? For results without hassle, look no further than Search Ad Network. Focused on your core goals, our dedicated account management team will drive your online sales, increase brand recognition, and generate leads for offline sales through expert search engine marketing and technology. In addition, Search Ad Network offers free click fraud detection and API access into all major engines to ensure your business reaches their desired ROI. Visit searchadnetwork.com today to experience true profit through performance. 
Dude, fishing in Costa Rica is going to be awesome. Amen, bro. Now that Value Click Media had netted Fast Click, we've got one of the largest online advertising networks fishing us for big bucks. You know, while we're out catching Snapper. Hey, Steve, you're coming too, right? No, I'm still using BenAsRUs.com. I can't afford to be away. you got to work with Value Click Media. I've got this great account manager who's easy to work with, and they have access to the best advertisers and earn me high rates. Don't worry. We'll bring back pictures. Yeah, terrific. Visit Value Click Media now and click on Solutions for Publishers for more details. Value Click Media. Now, back to The Pulse. Pulse. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. Hello, and welcome back to The Search Pulse. This is Barry Schwartz, and with me again is, uh, you know, Chris Boggs and Ben Pfeiffer. The next topic I wanted to discuss was the Google PageRank update. Um, they did an update this weekend, um, toolbar PageRank update. So, if, you know, if you have the Google toolbar installed or if you use some other type of toolbar that shows PageRank, um, you'll see that the toolbar score, your toolbar PageRank score has been updated or most likely was updated. Not necessarily. It depends, but a lot of them have been updated. Uh, most people notice a drop by one point or so in their PageRank. Some noticed a drop to P- uh, PR0. Um, there's lots of forum discussion about it right now. Again, this doesn't mean your rankings have been affected by the page rank. So if your page rank went up or down, usually your, your rankings stay the same. They did not change. In addition, your traffic probably did not change as well. Um, so, I mean, there are threads over at Search and Roundtable forums, Search and Watch forums, Webmaster World, and Digital Point. Um, and what people were noticing also was that a lot of people's page rank went down to zero. And we had Adam Lasnik, who is commonly known as, you know, Matt Cutts' mini-Matt um, from Google, go in there and say, um, if your page rank has dropped to zero and you didn't notice any drop in traffic or significant drop in traffic from, you know, Google referrals, then most likely it is a PR reporting, PR toolbar error. So he's going to look into that. He's going to speak to some of his, you know, search buddies over there and come back to us and let us know if that's true. But he did post and say that, say that was the case. Um, so let's start with Ben. Ben, what are your thoughts overall on those two things? Um, yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting. I did see a bunch of page rank drops um, on a lot, of, a lot of number of sites. Um, traffic, not necessarily. So yeah, it could be an issue, as Adam mentioned um, specifically. But you know, I, I guess this is kind of some more of the saga that goes on with this type of stuff. Okay, cool. Um, and Chris, what are your thoughts? Well, um, I was kind of shocked when uh, I went on Friday. Um, I got to do some uh, good old-fashioned link building, and uh, I went to one of my favorite directories, uh, those, the guys that rock and always uh, represent hardcore at all the conferences and give out T-shirts and everything like that. Uh, most of you all probably know them, but I won't mention their name just because uh, they were at a page rank zero, <laughs> and every single one of their pages was a page rank zero. And I emailed them and said, "Hey, what's up, guys?" And they were like, "Ah, oh, they were just holding their fingers crossed." And lo and behold, today they're back up to a seven. And uh, one thing that I noticed, I can't remember which uh, particular thread it was in, but uh, it seems like um, uh, the consensus seems to be that this is one of the best iterations of the toolbar page rank that we've seen yet because. Um, for sites that are well-structured, it seems that it's very um, consistent in that if the home page is, let's say, for example, a PR7, one directory level deep will be a 6, two deep will be a 5, as long as the linking is done properly. 
Um, so I think there's a lot more research to be done on that. And I think with this toolbar page rank, even though we all know that toolbar page rank isn't the most important uh, do-all and say-all, and we've talked about that and that value and that importance for a while, but I think if there ever has been a toolbar uh, update that, that actually means anything um, in, in a while, it's, it's certainly this one. Uh, the other great news that I literally just found out right now is that uh, my newsletter, uh, searchmarketingtrends.com, uh, has an initial uh, first toolbar page rank. So it uh, popped its toolbar page rank cherry, I guess you could say, and we've got a page rank of a five. So pretty excited about that. Cool. Congratulations on that. It's always nice when your page rank does go up, um, but it's never nice when it goes down. It's really more of like a stamp of approval by Google, like a seal saying, hey, you're doing something good. Um, but as most people know, it doesn't really change your rankings like we discussed. Um, right. So that's PageRank for you. Um, the next big thing that happened this past week was that uh, we spotted some, how do you say, um, there were some like AdWords accounts that were, one, hacked into, and two, um, the actual listings and the sponsor results at Google.com were tainted with some malware that actually, um, what it did was it actually directed people to malicious sites and installed these malware things onto their sites and changed how those sponsor listings looked on their site. Um, they were tainted for listings such as the Better Business Bureau website or if other things like you did a search on cars or something like that. That's the types of search results that came up where um, these malware types of ads showed up and possibly infected your computer. Um, it's interesting because we reported on April twenty April twenty fifth, the day before, you know, April twenty fifth, that some AdWords account was actually hacked into. They talked about it and how people were installing ActiveX remote desktop programs onto their site. So um, they reported, then Google contacted the person, and it was basically the exact same type of report that that PC World and Washington Post came out and reported on, saying how lots of sponsor listings are actually being hacked into and how they're noticing malware on the Google results page. Um, this was actually dis- first dis- discovered by um, Ro- Roger Thompson of Exploiting Security Labs. So it was, I think it was discovered about two, three weeks ago. Um, this person noticed that his account being hacked a couple of days after that, and it was taken care of literally once Washington Post came out and published the article, they actually fixed the problem. Um, so that pretty much summarizes it. There's no more problem right this second, but it was interesting to find people at the forum saying, "Hey, my account's been hacked into," and then people, and then a big art, you know, Washington Post article coming out saying, you know, Google has, ad, you know, their ads are you know filled with malware. So that's the thing. It's been resolved, and I wanted to get, you know, Chris's thoughts on this topic. Well, this is, you know, huge news, obviously, because this is Google's bread and butter, and so they definitely don't want to have anyone think or associate any sort of uh, malware or, or the ability to be able to hack in and do something like that. One thing that's not clear to me still, it does say, and maybe you can you can answer this, Barry, because I, I don't understand it completely, it says that uh, that. that you know, they, they identified and canceled the AdWords accounts displaying ads that redirected users to malicious sites. So were those all accounts that had been hacked into, or were some of them accounts that, uh, you know, that actually, um, you know, the, the, had been set up just for the specific purpose? That would be interesting to find out, because you would figure, um, if that was the case, Google would probably have the ability to go after them legally if they, if they could prove that they had set them up 
specifically for this purpose, whereas if it had been hacked into, uh, it's probably going to be really hard for Google to uh, track these people down. Uh, Barry, do you have any more information on, on a, sort of that question? Yeah, I wish I did. I don't. Um, I don't know. It just I just happened to see an AdWords post that somebody being hacked into. I was awkwardly, you know, extremely like that report afterwards about how there's malware on the site, and those two mm-hmm. cases were related. But outside of that, I can't tell you, you know, how if they hacked into accounts or if they set up, you know, fake accounts or if they used somebody else's credit card or what, what, how whatever they did to do it. I don't know exactly. So. Yeah, I mean, you figured they'd have to cover their tracks because they probably would would figure that Google would catch them doing this. So it'd be pretty stupid to do it and then just use your own credit card or whatever and try to do this. And I would hope that Google would go after them, you know, to the full extent of their legal capabilities, which I'm sure is monstrous. So um, I'm sure that Google will be following this up and and hopefully we'll get even more clarification on this subject. Uh, Just, again, uh, you know, you got to... Uh, give Google props for uh, using their blogs to communicate to the community uh, exactly what's happening and, and what's going on. Right. Yeah, and they did come out and, and talk about it on their blog, so that was that was good. Um, all right, so that was a good topic. The next thing I wanted to discuss is a quick, you know, heads up on that there's a new authoritative document on Google's PageRank. Um, Danny Sullivan wrote an unbelievable, uh, long, detailed write-up on what is Google PageRank, a guide for searchers and webmasters, where he goes through, one, Google's definition of PageRank. He goes through the recent uh, modifications to the, page, the pages at Google site that, has, that talks about the PageRank score. He also talks about how PageRank matters for searchers and how pay, PR, what, you know, actually PR stands for PageRank and not for public relations. He also goes through PageRank in the directory, as it, as it, you know, how different it is from other PageRank. He also looks at PageRank from the SEO's perspective, um, um, how PageRank affects search rankings. He also goes through the PageRank versus the toolbar PageRank, which is a major distinction and should be noted that we discussed in the past. Um, and then he just summarized everything. It was a very, very good article, I think, if anybody wants to link. Whenever anybody says something about PageRank, maybe they should link to that article because it really does explain things and helps people understand, you know, what really PageRank is about, because people do obsess about it a little bit too much. Um, in the past, we wrote an article about why do some SEOs want toolbar PageRank to go away, and we went into that a while ago, but, you know, it also, Danny also discusses that in his article, which I thought was pretty good. Um, let's start with Ben. You know, I don't know if you had time to read that article, but it was, I thought it was pretty good. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it was a really good article. I, it's, it's quite a long article, so I actually got through a lot of it. And uh, Danny made a lot of good points and actually kind of summarized some of the things that Google had changed in regards to you know how they state they look at PageRank as opposed to measuring the importance. Now it's Google's assessment of the importance of the page. And um, you know specifically, kind of Danny looked at a lot of issues on the, the SEO side, which are important. Um, but you know he kind of states towards the bottom. You know he says that you know high PageRank does not always guarantee high search engine rankings. For any particular term, and that's usually kind of a, a real big thing in terms of working with clients or people that are new to this type of stuff. They think the higher the page rank, the higher they're going to rank, and such and such. But as we've obviously seen, that's not the case in a lot of ways. And so, you know, there's a lot of factors with it, and it's just actually just one part of the algorithm in terms of how the pages rank. Um, so, you know, I thought the article was really great. He did a really good job of going back, and especially going back over kind of like some of the things that he said and providing some, um, 
you know, case studies such as like Nike and, and Zapatos and, um, you know, some of these sites that, you know, are doing this stuff and also gave some examples of uh, the Colbo Report and some of the shenanigans that they've been trying to pull with this type of stuff. Um, and so, that, you know, it kind of interestingly through the article it kind of proves that, you know, pay drinks still can be manipulated in a lot of ways by some of the examples that he gave. Um, and this is not a foolproof system. And, and you know, largely, PageRank is still just an opinion, um, and it shouldn't be obsessed upon. And right. Good points. Good points. And, Chris, do you want to add anything to that? Well, not much to add. I mean, you and, and Ben both co- covered it pretty well. A couple things, though. One is that I love the way Danny has really been detailed in the comments as well, the follow-up. Um, you know, this is a great example of a, of a thread that's sort of a living document and that, uh, you know, will continue to draw questions. Uh, I certainly bookmark it. One, one thing that I'll be a little bit hesitant to do is to send to some of our clients who won't have the time to read uh, throughout that whole document. So I'd just like to, you know, ask uh, Danny if he could please create a nice PowerPoint and then and send it along or attach it somehow, and then we can have the best of both worlds. <laughs> Well, there's actually yeah, I mean, a summary at the, at the bottom that kind of summarize five points from the article, so you could almost like copy and paste that and send it to your clients. Right, you right. did that. Um, okay, great. So the next topic I want to discuss before we go into a commercial break was that um, some of the new patent applications that Google have has released in the past two, three weeks. There are four new documents. Um, one was actually written by or helped, you know, you know co-edited or co-founded by Matt Kotz of Google. Um, and here they are. The first one is document scoring based on query analysis. The next one is document scoring based on traffic associated with a document. next one is document score- scoring based on link-based criteria. And the last one is document scoring based on document inception date. So one is query analysis, traffic to the page, link-based criteria, and the last one is the inception date of that, art- of that document four things that have been talked about for a long time, um, and now we have patents for them, or patent applications, which describes some more information. They don't go, you know, I mean, there's so much you can get from a patent application, and it doesn't necessarily mean Google's using it, but for these things, you know, it just helps, you know, SEOs read some more things and get an idea of what's going through the heads of the people over at Google and the search engines. Um, ben, you know, do you want to talk a bit about, about that? Yeah, I didn't get a whole lot of chance to look over every single one of them. Actually, I looked specifically at the document inception date kind of patent, and um, there is a lot in contained within here. I mean, everything from, you know, when a search engine first identifies the document and the domain associated with the document and the document is first referenced in another document and whether the document includes news articles and postings and such and such and such and such and so on. And very complicated but really interesting. Um, I was concerned. I just was interested in that specific one. I think a lot of people were kind of fixated kind of on the link-based criteria or sometimes like the traffic um, and some of the clickstream stuff that they might be doing. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it can be a lot gleaned from here. I know um, I'm sure Bill and SEO by the Sea has probably gone through a lot of this and can summarize it in a lot more detail. Um, but they are worth a read because they're not really terribly long. Well, I guess kind of long, but um, you could get through them pretty fast if you go quick. Cool. Yeah, I mean, they are pretty detailed. Um, and I looked through several of them, but I agree with you. Um, you know, there's only so much you can read about it. Maybe some good, you know, bathroom material or something like that. But anyway, let's hit a commercial break now, and um, we'll get back into, we'll talk about the new method for Google News and how they're actually implying it to the search results. Let's hit a commercial break now, and we'll speak to you guys soon.
tight and don't move. The Pulse. Pulse. We'll be back after this short break. A rose by any other name would still be the same. Move over, Shakespeare. You need to differentiate yourself from your competition. Do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of Jupiter Media, the NHL, and Lionsgate Films, among others. Moniker.com is the most secure ICANN accredited register on the planet, offering you domain registration, hosting, domain sales, and acquisition services. Wrap that up with 24-7 support. That's your winning combination. M-O-N-I-K-E-R. Com. More than a name. 3 a.m. traveling to a conference in Oklahoma City. Steve Talbot's Ford Escort radiator hose bursts near the town of Hooker. He types Hooker Escort Hookup into another local search engine's one-box search. He has a great time that he can't expense. TrueLocal.com. Two boxes. One click. Great results. One traffic for results without hassle, look no further than Search Ad Network. Focused on your core goals, our dedicated account management team will drive your online sales, increase brand recognition, and generate leads for offline sales through expert search engine marketing and technology. In addition, Search Ad Network offers free click fraud detection and API access into all major engines to ensure your business reaches their desired ROI. Visit searchadnetwork.com today to experience true profit through performance. Now, back to The Pulse, Pulse. only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. Hello, and welcome back to The Search Pulse. This is Barry Schwartz from The Search Engine Roundtable. With me, as always, is Ben Pfeiffer and Chris Boggs. Um, The next... The next topic I wanted to discuss was how Google is actually integrating or will be integrating um, the news results, the Google news results within the actual search, within the actual web search results. So, for example, if you do a search at Google, and if you do one right now, say you do a search at Google.com for Google News, what happens is you'll see that actual news results will actually come up at the top of the listings. Um, above the search results. We'll have a little one-box area, what they're called, you know, one-box area at the top of the results saying here's some vertical, you know, alternative search results from our Google News Index. That is actually changing now. Um, They're actually going to be integrating the search results into the middle of the page. For example, one of the ten organic search results will be from news results. Um, I have screenshots at the Search Engine Roundtable. I posted them on April 26th. You can just click on the archive, scroll down to the April section, and you'll be able to you know, find the article on April 26th. Um, and actually have screenshots showing how um, the news results actually are found in like the, fourth, the first, fourth, or last position based on the query and based on the relevancy of that search result. The thing is, it's not over, you know, not everybody sees it. I only see when I'm at home. Most people don't even see it. I don't see it when I'm at work. I don't see it at other locations, and a lot of people don't see it. I have posted several examples of it. Um, The question is, how is this going to impact, you know, the search space in terms of, you know, SEOs and their rankings and stuff like that, and is it the most relevant and all that other type of fun stuff. So I think we'll go with Chris and, you know, what are your thoughts on this? Have you seen it, and what are your thoughts overall on on this change? I haven't seen it yet. I personally like the one box, or I like to 
search for news separately uh, from web results. I think that, um, you know, it's going to be an individual thing, and this is something that I'm sure uh, once they get it ironed out, uh, hopefully they will allow people, if they're using a personalized search, to, you know, uh, set their settings to mix in the news results as is or... I, you know, whether or not they go with this across the board is something to still see. I guess they have to test it as they are doing now. It looks like uh, there hasn't been any uh, response to uh, Chris Sherman's re- request for more information yet because uh, he hasn't uh, postscripted that. Um, so uh, I guess we'll just have to wait, like like everyone else, to find out really how you know in depth or how widespread they're going to use this. Cool and. Uh Ben, what are your thoughts on bro? Yeah, I haven't actually seen it specifically. I, I checked when I kind of saw this come up, but um, I think it's kind of something that, you know, people might kind of desire to have when they're doing searches because not everybody's going to necessarily go to the news tab and kind of do a search from it, um, and so they kind of just will initially go. Um, and so that's why you see some a lot of results for celebrities and stuff pop up, and a lot of these news results pop up uh, pretty quickly. Um, it, it, though at the same time, I was kind of thinking when I was looking at some of this, it seems like Google's running out of a lot of space. There's only really 10 listings they can kind of play with, and it's seems that like as time goes by it's like more and more stuff gets crammed in there whether it's categorization or it's news results or it's images or it's um, you know something that's popping up in there and it's kind of getting really cluttered so honestly I I would prefer not to have this in my results um, in terms of uh, you know search standpoint I'd like it more you know specifically oriented just on the website and the organic and then also on the news because I think it kind of degrades it and these news results change over time but at the same time it's kind of making their index a lot more fresher in terms of what's going on out there. Um, and I guess they're just kind of keeping up with the times. Right. It's true. And um, if you don't like them in your results, maybe iGoogle will help you with that because Google today launched um, one rebranding of their personalized search stuff, such as you know their Google homepage, their Google personalized homepage, their web history, their personalized Google Maps, and all this other fun stuff, their gadgets. And they branded it yesterday under the new name called iGoogle. Um, you know, just number I, you know, the letter I, not not like your eyes like that you see with, it's just iGoogle, like iTV or iBook or whatever. It's iGoogle. And you still get to it by going to google.com slash IG, their personalized homepage portal. Um, you'll see some new things like um, gadgets that you can actually play with. The thing is, I really don't like those gadgets. They, they require a lot of work and manual work on your part. You can't just like set an RSS feed or a way to update the gadgets via Flickr or via RSS feed or via Instant Messenger or something. Um, they have a whole My Community section, which requires people to sign up for your gadgets. Um, and there's some good coverage over at Google Blogoscope and also at Land on the whole release of iGoogle. Uh, it's their new way of bridging all their personalization stuff into one brand. Uh, so that's... That's what iGoogle is about. Um, that's all we have so far. And maybe Chris, you know, Chris, do you have anything else you want to say about that? Well, I wanted to do a quick search at Google for iGoogle, and lo and behold, in the one box area are news results for iGoogle. <laughs> iGoogle it is from PC World. And then the number one result is titled Google, and then the description is warning, warning, your browser may not fully support the Google personalized homepage. So it sounds like they may have a little SEO to do for this site. Uh, they do have a sponsored link for it, which is Personalize Google. Personalize your Google homepage with news, stocks, weather, and more. Uh, last I heard, you're supposed to use the uh, search term within the title and description and, if possible, in the URL. So 
looks like they need to do a little work on their paid search for this uh, as well. Uh, it looks like, um, you know, it could be very cool, but uh, right now they need to fix their, their own search results for their own product, I think. Right. Ironically. That is funny. I actually saw that myself. I, um, ironically. <laughs> Sorry. Um, all right. So the next thing is related to Google personalized search. And last week before they launched iGoogle was a report by um, the people, uh, report over at all over the place, Webmaster World, Google Blogoscope, Google Groups, that their, people's Google personalized homepage settings were actually lost. So they log into their Google personalized homepage and all I saw was like a standard pre-customized homepage. Um, and people were freaking out what's going on. And then um, Google guides were coming out saying, yeah, we see it's a problem. We're looking into it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the problems. And, you know, it took them about, a, you know, I think about like 12 hours or so to fix. Um, about 4.30 a.m. Eastern time on April 27th. The settings started coming back for people, started people seeing their personalized settings. So I guess maybe while they were working on iGoogle or some other feature, um, they lost some of their data settings or some of the data settings, you know, that, that pulled in some of the coding. The code actually pulled in those features. was like overridden or something, but they got it back. People are happy. It really got a lot of coverage from all the different, you know, sites out there. You know, it was a big, big thing for people. I rarely use Google personalized homepage. But it was, you know, it's, I guess it's used a lot by a lot of people. So, uh, Ben, I, I, Ben, I don't think you use Google Personalized Homepage, do you? Uh, no, not really. I've played around with it a little bit, but um, honestly, I just haven't had a lot of time. And honestly, I just kind of like it really simple and clean when I get to to Google. I don't really want stock quotes and weather forecasts and much nonsense stuff that really doesn't do much for me. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> Whereas Barry likes the uh, black dude in a parka with a penguin on a leash and then another guy who's standing there with scuba gear on by the bus bench. I really like yours, Barry. It's a pretty cool personalized homepage. I would be using it more often if I had uh, put that work into it. <laughs> it looks cool. Well, I think you're yeah, right, I mean, though. It, I, I, it must seconds. have been possible that it, because they were working on iGoogle. I mean, it would make sense. Right. But you can have that homepage yourself. You just click on... Go to google.com slash iGoogle, and there's a little button to select theme. It takes about like five seconds to select from a dozen themes out there, and they actually change the theme based on what your weather is. So if it's like snowing, they'll show snow. If it's raining, they'll show rain. If it's sunny, they'll show sh- uh, sun within your personalized theme. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so, so you can have one too. It's not just for me. Um, all right, so that's that topic. Let's move over to the next thing. Is Google's placing UK... Uh, UK filtered results in the Google Supplemental Index. So, for example, you go to google.co.uk, you do a search, uh, let's say site, you know, site amazon.co.uk or whatever the UK site might be, um, and you make sure the search is on the radio button that says the web, so search the web, okay? Um, what it comes up is normal site results for amazon.co.uk. But then if you change that filter, and you say search pages from the UK only, um, what happens is up comes all those pages um, for Amazon.co.uk, but it actually shows them as supplemental results, the whole supplemental thing. You know, everybody's talking about supplemental, but a lot of... It's weird. Like, you just do a search, a site command search, um, in the Google.co.uk for a UK site, and bam, all those results come up in the supplemental index. I don't know how this happened, why this happened, um, 
I don't have any feedback from Google yet. It's just a weird thing, and I assume it's just a bug or some type of, you know, bug that somebody, you know, somebody found. Um, there's a, you know, I, I spotted it from a, a blog post, um, a, for, a thread over at Search and Roundtable forums, as well as a blog post over at SEOhome.co.uk. I just don't understand where it's actually coming from. So it was just, it was just interesting to see. Um, you know, let's start with you know Chris and see Chris. What are your thoughts on on that? Well, I, it's very interesting, and I think that the disparity in the number of results is uh, certainly something that would probably match up to the actual difference in, in the number of pages that are live versus the number of pages in supplemental, but maybe not. Uh, it, it, you know, like you said, this is probably a bug, but uh, there's got to be someone out there that can probably divine why this bug happened and, and possibly how it could be related to the infamous algorithm, especially the supplemental uh, index. Okay, cool. All right, so one more topic before we go into another commercial break. Um, Yahoo, in light of double click, of Google's acquisition of DoubleClick, they went ahead and bought um, Right Media, um, basically a rival of DoubleClick, and um, basically you know, that's what they, they bought them. The New York Times covered it, um, and everybody's saying this is a challenge to Google's acquisition of DoubleClick, yada, yada, yada. Um, it's a, you know, nothing really to talk about in terms of, you know, what, you know, they just bought them. We don't know exactly how they're going to go ahead and use them exactly. They did post a thing on their, in the press release saying they acquired them. Um, but right now that's all we have. Um, you know, I don't know if, you know, Ben has anything else to say about it or not. Do you or? Uh, not really. I, I think it's an interesting acquisition and uh, maybe a smart one for Yahoo and kind of in the play of what Google's doing. So, uh, you know, maybe they have a pretty good reason behind that. And, you know, I don't really know much, a whole bunch about Right Media and what they purchased, but, um, you know, they indicated it as a rival. So uh, maybe it was a good decision that this is what they need to do. Cool. And, Chris, do you have anything else you want to add? Well, like you know, like we talked about last week, unfortunately, because of, uh, of my parent company, I can't really comment on this deal yet. However, um, although I was coy last week and not allowed to say anything, we did uh, actually publish an opinion in, in regards to the uh, Google DoubleClick deal, uh, specifically in relation to our, our thoughts on the potential outcomes uh, in, in interest, you know, in terms of the interest of search marketers. So, if you check out SearchMarketingTrends.com, you'll see that. I'm not going to sit here and go over the whole thing. but uh, So maybe in, in a week or so, I'll give you an answer to that. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, and now Microsoft is going after a double-click type of company called 24-7, right, media. So it's kind of funny that Microsoft is doing this too, and we'll see if that happens. So we're going to go into commercial break now, and when we come back, we'll talk about one or two more topics and then get into the lightning round. So let's go into commercial break. tight and don't move the pulse we'll be back after this short break welcome to the 11th annual international web award competition walk the red carpet as the web marketing association is now accepting entries for the web awards recognizing the best websites in 96 different industries Winners receive a beautiful image plaque or certificate of achievement, higher visibility for your company, valuable feedback from the expert judges, links to your site from the highly ranked web award site, and a free press release from PR Web. So the winner goes to... 
Well, you'll have to see for yourself. You can't win if you don't enter. Go to www.webaward.org to enter and win. Hurry, deadline for entry is May 31st. Gentlemen, start your engines. Okay, well, how do I get my engine started? Is your online marketing being left at the starting gate? Don't have enough information to stay ahead of your competitors? Then visit EngineReady.com and get a free trial of our affordable enterprise class web analytics. With EngineReady, you can accurately track revenues from all online marketing campaigns, search engines, banner ads, email, and more. EngineReady strategic marketing software. See why companies of all sizes achieve exceptional online results with EngineReady, the professional standard in search marketing. Oh, maybe I should just get out and push. Faster than a speeding bullet, it's the super way to pay. It's Fast Transact. Fast Transact is the safe, secure, and fast way to process credit cards, online checks, and gift cards. Find multiple payment gateway and merchant account options to keep your costs down and sales up, up, and away. You can build your business empire in a single bound, while Fast Transact fights the never-ending battle to keep payment processing safe and secure. Your quest for an e-commerce solution has found its final destination. Fly over to FastTransact.com today. And now, WebmasterRadio.fm proudly presents Inspirational Moments by David Naylor. And this morning, yeah, we sat in the bar, I put my hand in my pocket, and there's like peanuts in my pocket, and I'm like... Where the fuck did they come from? Oh, yeah. Dax put a whole bowl of fucking nuts on my head. I'm like, dude, don't put your nuts on my head. <laughs> Tune in for more inspirational moments with David Naylor and Mikkel DeMint every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Strike Point. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. The Pulse, Pulse. only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's your host. Hello, and welcome back to the Search Pulse. Um, We're going to talk a little bit more, and then we'll get into lightning round, probably two more topics. So one thing we noticed since the Yahoo Panama launch, when um, they launched their quality score, a lot of people have been complaining that their volume and traffic from Yahoo Search, their Panama, you know, Yahoo Search Marketing, has been down. Um, Chris, I know you had a big uh, article about this a couple months ago at Search Marketing Trends, so I thought maybe you might want to talk a little bit more about what you've been seeing and reporting about in terms of Panama and their traffic volume. Yeah, unfortunately, Barry, I'm sorry, but as you know, I work mostly on the SEO side, um, although I do uh, do some work and, and cross with the paid search side. I haven't really followed up uh, recently with the teams in New York and, and, and Philly and, uh, and Seattle that uh, put together that initial report. Uh, however, when I did speak to Matt Greitzer, our National Search League, last week, he mentioned that uh, we are still seeing essentially the same trends that uh, we were seeing in that first look. Um, so uh, I'm sorry that I can't add any more to that right now, but I'll, I'll try to get back to you on that one. That's fine. I mean, basically people are seeing that volume is down, ROI is similar, but volume and traffic is down, and, and that's since the launch of Panama, so I don't know if there's 
reason for concern or not, but that's what people are noticing. Um, ben, have you any seen anything with this? Uh, yeah, I've looked it over a little bit, and we've talked about it somewhat. Um, I, I like Panama a whole lot better in terms of kind of maintenance. I'm doing it for some clients. Um, you know, I have seen um, volume go down a little bit. Um, nothing comparably significant, but um, it's still, uh, for the most part, I can concur with a lot of what these people are saying in the Search Engine Watch forums thread. Okay, related to Yahoo, their publisher network, um, people have been seeing that the earnings and relevancy are forcing them to actually leave Yahoo Publisher Network or Google AdSense. People are noticing that the ad targeting is extremely poor and getting worse every day. They're noticing their earnings are about two to three times less than what they're earning on Google, and their click-through rates are about five to ten times less than on Google. Um, I mean, I have an ad, a live ad right now, um, and they seem currently to be um, targeted okay, but when I first launched them, they were pretty bad. They were showing ads for Vonage, credit card, legal, construction, credit scores, um, dental, web design, environmental stuff, surgeries, weddings, awnings, music sites, and so on, like vacations, weight loss. It was The ads were all over the place, and my site and this page specifically is about search. So not sure what's actually going to go on with that. And... Um, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's pretty funny. Ben, do you want to add anything to YPN? Or you don't, I don't know if you're too involved in that. Um, specifically, not really. Um, I haven't had a whole ton, lot of time to look over that. Um, but, yeah, I do think it's kind of interesting. So I think I'm kind of going to skip this topic because I haven't had a whole lot to say on it. All right. I mean, that's the case. That's what's happening, and um, that's pretty much that. I know Shoe Money Show is going to be on soon, um, net income. So I think I'm going to go right into... Um, the lightning round now, and then we'll hopefully intro uh, Shoe Money into his show. So let's uh, go into lightning round. Cool. That was our lightning round uh, intro, and uh, now <laughs> let's get into it. Uh, what's Chris? You want to do one too? Da -da -da. <laughs> All right, that's the official uh, you know, intro. <clears throat> okay, so let's get into it. We have noticed some very, very personalized. Um, Google Ads, um, Google AdSense ads. So if you're going to a site with AdSense on it, um, what you see is uh, the ads are actually personalized to you. People are thinking it's somewhat behavioral or whatever, but I just doubt it. I just think it's probably just coincidence. coincidence. I'm not really sure. Uh, related to AdSense, and we're talking about contextual ads, Ask.com has launched their contextual ad network. Um, they're calling it um, ads. You know, from, you know, I don't know what they're calling it yet, but it's Ask.com contextual ads. And they're going to be launching it. It's not going to be available to any publisher. It's only going to be available to their own publishers or high-end publishers that now. And hopefully in the future they'll actually um, open it up soon to all publishers, and hopefully that will be sooner than later. Um, I actually went ahead and tested Paper Action. Not just, you know, I've been testing Paper Action for a while, Google's Paper Action, where it's like you can earn a commission um, or a dollar amount for an action people take, um, I actually went ahead and tested their text ads. So they had a new unit called Text Link Units, and they were not available until recently, so I went ahead and actually got somebody to add one. I, I spoke with the people over at Google, and they actually got me one, and I'm actually testing it. It's actually pretty well. I, well, I, I actually got one conversion. Um, it looks like a standard text link. It's pretty cool in that sense. Um, but also, um, it's just JavaScript link, so it's no you know, PR or no link popularity is pa passing from it. So you can go ahead and take a look at that. Um, it's in action. It's on April 30th. The post on that, you actually see it. 
pretty cool. Um, the Daily Telegraph it wants to sue Google and Yahoo for crawling their site. Another thing about, you know, they're upset that Google, you know, Google and Yahoo are listing their their results and they don't want to give out free content, yada yada. When all they have to do really is just use a robots.txt file, say Google, don't spider me, don't index me. And also use the Google and Yahoo delete remove URL feature, and that will get them out of their index if they really don't want it. It's one of those joking cases where, you know, most people want traffic from Google and Yahoo. Um, in this case, they don't want it for, at a matter of principle or something. It's just kind of ridiculous, in my opinion. Um, Google Checkout, their page, you know, if you do the search on Google Checkout, and up came Google Checkout listing in the search results, um, their page actually showed up for, um, it was weird, it actually, let me read it to you, it was, sh- it was showing the results Use Google Checkout on HIBitter and HiBitter.com free. It looked like some link, anchor text, pointing to the site, and Google automatically picked up the anchor text and linked, used that title tag, used that as the title of their, of their link. So they used the anchor text for the link and actually looked like a hijack result when actually it wasn't. It was just anchor text. Um, Google fixed that. It looks looking good now. There's a post on that on April 30th as well. Um, Google is possibly adding to their keyword tool, a negative keyword um, parameter, where they actually could see negative keywords suggested by the Google AdWords keyword tool. Hopefully that will come out soon. I'm not really sure. It's just some reports about that over at Webmaster World. Um, my Google Local Business Center uh, maps listing has actually been updated after a pretty long time when I actually submitted an update. They actually finally updated it, which is good. Uh, Microsoft's Ad Center sent out an uh, email today or last night saying they may use other matching criteria as a, you know, from keyword searches. So I'll quote you what they actually said. It's pretty interesting. They actually said, Microsoft may use matching criteria other than keyword searches to display your ads. So what I'm thinking is that Microsoft may um, place your ads in their content network without telling you. They may place your ads in, on other websites or behavioral errors or maybe even games or whatever. And these ads will not be triggered by keyword searches at, you know, live.com, but to be triggered by maybe keywords on the page or maybe um, just behavioral things or just maybe random stuff that might not be related to what you want. And you have to go in there and opt out. Microsoft will not uh, have you opt in. It's an opt out thing. So it's a pain in the neck for advertisers who don't know about this, but they're doing it anyway. They don't really care. Um, yes, yeah, so the Google AdWords vouchers also cannot be resold. We learned that if you have a voucher, you cannot resell it to anybody else. It's not in accordance with their terms of service. Google AdWords representative um, in search engine watch forums actually called radio ads magical, which I found funny from coming from a search company. Um, but they are doing radio ads now. They're doing audio ads, so maybe that's why they came up and said it. And it's really a personal tale, so it's pretty funny. Finally, keywords and URLs, um, we looked at that again, and how important are they from a search from SEO perspective, and they do pretty work pretty well. Um, we discussed this in the past several times, but we have a new post on it, and we thought we'd write about that again. That pretty much covers the, uh, you know, this week's topics. Um, that was 28th edition of the Search Pulse. Coming up next is Shoe Money's Net Income Show. Make sure to tune in for that. I hope to post a recap of t- today's show um, tomorrow after the show is archived, and you can find that at seroundtable.com. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me or comment in the post tomorrow. Again, that was the 28th edition of the Search Pulse. It took place Tuesday, May 1st. Thank you, Ben and Chris, and we look forward to seeing you all again next week at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Everyone, have a great night.